welcome. Today we're doing something different. We're having Mark Allen interview me. Boy, is it going to be fun. Now we're going to have a great time. We really are. Inventions keep the world spinning. From fire in the wheel to today's high tech, inventions power change. Turn your inventions into reality. Learn how to get your ideas to market. This is Invent Anything with John Cronin. Thanks, John, for this opportunity. And I know that a lot of people are going to learn a lot about inventing things. Let's let's start with your background. You you uh, you have a very unique background. Can you describe that to us, please? Yeah, sure. I think even when I was a young boy, messing around with my toolbox, I was taking apart pretty much everything. Watching my grandmother take apart things and fix them really got to me that if she could do it, so could I. So after I spent some time as a child, I grew up and I went to a trade school, a technical high school, where I could mess around with electronics and carpentry and all sorts of things uh, at Don Bosco in Boston. So that was a blast. And then as I went on to college, uh, I went to uh, got my electrical engineering degree, but also I got a psychology degree because I was trying to figure myself out. Well, that didn't work. Uh, and then I went back and finished up my electrical engineering degree and I started studying for my PhD before I met my lovely wife who, and we had several children. So I went into the job market and got my first job at IBM. And at IBM, uh, you invented a lot of stuff there, did you not? Yes, I did. Um, I had a mentor who taught me the invention process very early on in my career and Bruce Bertelson. So I used his process and over the period of a number of years, four or five years, I achieved over a hundred patents to my name. And I became the top inventor of IBM uh, with articles written about me inside of IBM. And uh, it made me quite uh, interested in invention, that's for sure. And I think uh, sometime this year, I'll probably cross my thousand patents. So uh, yeah, I've been inventing for a while. Um, the nice thing about invention is that once you learn how to do it, you can really do it in any domain. So I invent in all sorts of stuff, not just hardware, software, biotech, farmer, energy, food, industrial, you name it. I have a blast inventing and today I get the opportunity to invent for and with my clients. And inventing, of course, drives, as we say in our opening, drives the world, doesn't it? It drives the world forward. Yes, it certainly does. And almost everybody that I meet, of course, I'm in the invention business, but almost all companies are inventing at some level. I mean, there's just lots of things to invent, right? So it's really worth inventing. Uh, absolutely. First of all, invention, I look at it, Mark, as a gift to us, right? So we should treat new ideas almost as like their presence because they just sort of pop into our heads, don't they? Where does that come from? And you know, when you get new ideas, it's been shown that endorphins release, you know, when we come up with new ideas. So that's kind of cool. It's good for, for you feeling good about your ideas. Uh, and everything we do, you know, if you sort of think about small problems, big problems, building things, hobbies, it's all about inventing. Uh, I think you might not know this, but there's over 300,000 patents just on a cell phone. So think about the amount of inventions there. And, you know, ideas are, are important and it's timing also. I've had many friends come up with ideas later on, find out it's already out there. It doesn't make them any less sort of inventive. Uh, the market, the gravity of the problem, a lot of things go into what makes it worth inventing. But certainly there is lots of inventing all the time by everybody. I say that everybody's an inventor. I know that uh, people have come to me over the years uh, and they'll say, I have an idea for whatever it might be. Okay. 
It could be a, a supplement. It could be um, somebody came to me once with a, uh, what they thought was a revolutionary eye cup for eye wash. Um, people have ideas. Are ideas just worth the paper that it's written on or ideas where it all starts? Yeah, I think we covered this uh, in some of our early podcasts as well, Mark, that ideas are the starts of all inventions. And so when you have an idea, one of the things about an idea, they they may not just be operable. You might not know how to put them together. They're just an idea. Like the transporter beam is a great idea. Can anybody make it? But once you get moved from an idea to something that you think is kind of novel, that you also know how to make to some level, then you can start moving it more towards reality. Now, you don't always have to know how to make your idea work. You can always find somebody to help you do that, which is also great. Um, I was shown school children how to invent and then find them just doing it over and over again. And I have a favorite story when I was teaching invention in K through 12, where I would, I, I knew I had this patent that already existed. It was called the ice star, a very simple invention. When you have a drink in a glass with the ice cubes, when you drink the glass, the ice cubes hit you in the face and in the mouth. So this invention was to have, this invention was to have a plastic star on top of push it into the glass. So when you drink the water, uh, or the soda, the ice gets stopped at the start. I always thought it was very simple, very cool. So uh, I used to teach kids inventing, and then at the end I would say, okay, I have a problem that I would like you to solve. And I would tell them about, you know, this problem of having ice not hit you in the face with, with when you're drinking it. And this was the, sort of the last exercise of the class, and I would do this over and over again. And ultimately, some child, someone would go, Mr. Cronin, I've got an idea. Why don't we put like something in, in the cup, like uh, kind of like a star or something, push it down. So when you drink, it doesn't hit you in the face. And I said, Kathleen, wait right there. And I had an overhead projector with this patent slide already re ready to go. Hit the button, turn it on. And there on the, on the whiteboard, chalkboard was this ice star patent. And I said, Kathleen, this is a patent, a patented invention. You came up with it. The only thing that problem was, you know, this person came up with it first, but that makes no less you an inventor. And Mark, I could tell you, you could see the aura just pop out of this person's head. And at the same time, we used to get calls from parents saying, Mr. Corona, what did you do to my kid? They're running around taking things apart. They're making things. See, that's the power of invention. It's a gift. It's something that you give to people uh, and that they can use. <coughs> you mentioned that uh, you would take things apart as a kid. I did the same thing. I'd take apart radios and TVs and things. You could probably put them back together. That was my problem. I could not always get them back together. Can anyone, and you've already really answered this, invent anything and, and then make money out of it? Because that's well, what, what, what people want to do. Yeah, I think we've talked about this in some of our earlier podcasts, but it does start with sort of the ability to come up with a concept. And almost everybody's coming up with concepts all the time. Tons and tons of concepts a day even. Uh, but in order to move it from a concept to something more real, you have to enable it. So I believe we have a podcast on enablement, which teaches you that, but we won't go through that here. But in order to have an invention, it has to be something that you have as a new idea, but you can also show to somebody how it works. So the question is, how do you get it enabled? You can do that on paper for sure, or you can hire somebody to help you do it on paper. 
There are plenty of firms out there that do prototyping or write software code for you. And so you can enable it if you have some money to do that. Now, a lot of times, you know, you don't have money to have ideas move forward. So you're going to have to find a way to solve that problem for sure. But once you can move it from an idea that's enabled, then you can start moving it towards the step that anybody can be an inventor. In, in looking at an idea, uh, you know, again, these people, people have come to me as a producer and they'll say, I have this idea. I just want to license it. Okay. I, I don't have any money to develop it. I can't get a prototype, nothing like that. Do they have to do more than just say, I have an idea and I want to license this? Yeah, uh, that's a really good question and it comes up a lot. So if we consider that invention starts with an idea, but as you improve it, you could get a patent on it, let's just say, and a patent is something that costs money to do and it stops, uh, stops you, it, it st allows you to stop others from make using and selling. So generally people don't license an idea, they license the patent. But let's go back to the idea for a minute. Supposing you have a really cool idea and um, you'd like to make some money from it, but you don't want to go through the patent process. Well, part of this is being sophisticated enough to be able to talk to enough people about the idea without actually talking about the idea. So this thing called the non-disclosure agreement, where you tell somebody, you know what, I have a way to uh, cook an egg and it can be cooked rapidly, extremely high quality, and you can add ingredients to it. So when it cooks, you can flavor it with anything and you can add your own flavorings or whatever. But this is a way you could take a solid egg with a shell, put it in my device and out comes, you know, an egg already prepared. So how does that work? You don't know. I don't know, although I'm starting to think about it. So you can ask, capture people and say, I have this idea, it does this, but don't teach them how. And if they want to learn about how, then you put them on a non-disclosure agreement, which you can get from the web and NDA. And so now you're talking to them about what you own and you don't have a patent, but you have an NDA. So most companies respect that. And if they really want to learn how you don't have the idea, what will happen is you'll end up in the next level of negotiation. Sometimes people say, all right, we're a big company, you're an individual, we'd like to buy this idea. And you set some sort of negotiation. Sometimes these ideas could be worth $5,000, $10,000, sometimes more. But what happens is as you get, you know, sort of more interest and you start to do more work, you may find that a patent or two will start to increase the value. A prototype or showing an example certainly increases the value. And then I will tell you that as some people do this enough, that they develop a reputation where they can look back historically that they've done this six, seven, ten times. And now what's happening is companies respect these people knowing that they've not just picked one, but they picked many and they can point backwards to real products. Now you've got the, the kind of bona fides, if you will, that you know what you're doing. But surely you can start even without patents with an NDA, but you're going to have to do a lot of phone calls and a lot of running around to try to get people to listen to you. Uh, this is Invent Anything. I'm kind of sitting in John Cronin's chair uh, because he normally uh, conducts this uh, uh, program. And what we're going to do now is we're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to take a look at what it takes to invent something. That's coming up right now on Invent Anything. You're listening to Invent Anything with John Cronin. 
Be sure to visit us at inventanything.net. There's information, articles, and more. And you can leave your thoughts and comments there as well. That's inventanything.net. And now back to John and this episode. This is Invent Anything with John Cronin. I am not John Cronin. I'm Mark Allen. This is John Cronin. And uh, John is the uh, managing director and uh, uh, chairman of the IPC group. And we're very pleased to have uh, been able to help uh, him present today. I'm, I'm curious, John, what does it take to invent anything? Well, you know, I think in some early podcasts in our series Invent Anything, we covered the fundamentals and one of the fundamentals is creative thinking. One of the fundamentals of creative thinking is associative thinking, which means you can take any two things and put them together and come up with a unique uh, item. So you could take a, uh, for instance, a sword, which you might want to improve, and you could take an LED, and that has nothing to do with each other. But when you combine them, someone might come up with, you know, if I put an LED on the sword, and I move my sword around and I capture that with an image, I'll get that light circle that I can see and analyze. And maybe if I analyze it better and better, it can give me some training about what the tip of the sword ought to be doing. Another person might take, and I'm just making this up, Mark, because this is sure. what I do for a living. I could take that sword with an LED and another person might combine them in a different way and say, you know what? I'd like to have the handle light up with an LED because I think that would look fun. I think I could sit here and, and take a sword and an LED and come up with hundreds of inventions. Uh, so it starts off with creative thinking, which as it's fundamental is associative thinking. But then there's another thing, because inventing is about making things work. It's not just about having ideas. You know, I mentioned before the transporter beam. Great idea, but I wouldn't call that an invention because <laughs> nobody knows how to make it. And it's unfair to call the transporter beam an invention because it's an idea. It's not an invention because it doesn't work which is the next step, making it work. Now we're moving to what's called enablement. How do you take that LED with the sword and actually make it work? Well, it can be pretty simple. You can just get some Gorilla Glue and put the LED, you know, a battery off an LED at the tip of the sword. But now I need to have a way to bring that into an image and I have to have a way to track that light as an image and create all of the graphics and then analyze it. So the question is, how do you do that? Now I have software. Now I'm looking at the software to try to pick out the points in the pixel from the rest of the picture and to extract that information and mark on and on and on. So the deeper you get, the more you get it enabled. So enablement's the second part. Creative thinking is the first part. But what I've also found is that in order, what it does take to invent anything is it takes, and so you get this great idea or this idea makes you feel good. I mentioned endorphins. Everybody's an inventor, this happens. You take it to the next step, maybe put it on paper, maybe try to prototype it, maybe start talking to people on the NDA. It's very valuable not to give away your idea because somebody else could rush to the patent office. But now what's happening is you've got to make it work. But I can tell you in this process, it's very enjoyable. It's really fun to actually sit down and figure out how to make the idea work. And let's not forget that taking an idea that turns into a concept to make it work, creative thinking to improvement thinking, if you will, and having that prototype or having some way to show people, it's a very enjoyable process. I can tell you working on your own ideas uh, on your own time, or if you can on somebody else's time, is just a wonderful way to have a lifestyle to work on your ideas. Uh, one of the most popular shows right now on, um, on TV is Shark Tank, right? 
I mean, people yep. just people love it. They 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 seem to just really enjoy watching these people with their inventions come to uh, to get money to grow it to market whatever it might be. Um, is that reality? I mean, in other words, can people go to a certain point and and then get investors? Yeah, uh, outside of the cast of characters that they have as a, the venture capitalist, uh, you know, and having a superstar like Mark Cuban is just an awesome inventor and investor himself. It, it is reality. My, my brother Michael is a, a venture capitalist and he runs a $5 billion fund, Western Presidio Capital. I've been blessed to have him on my board for 24 years. And this is absolutely the way investors think, whether venture capitalists or private equity or family offices or just even high net worth individuals. They absolutely need to actually see the idea. They need to get bought in and they need to very quickly, and you see this on Shark Tank, right? Figuring out the economics, you know, how many there are and how many they could make and what the profit margin would be. That's everything that an investor does, which is another good point and a great question you asked, Mark, because it is reality. And I've just been talking about creative thinking, associative thinking, getting prototypes and all that stuff. But you know what? If you're able to take your idea before you go too far forward, just do a back of the envelope calculation. Ask yourself the question, how many of these could be sold? How much could I sell it for? What's the profit margin? And now you might think, you know, how the heck am I going to figure that out? Well, that's why we have Google, because you can literally type in how many of whatever are sold per year. And what's the average? Believe it or not, you can get that all that information and just put it in a spreadsheet so you can do your own valuation of the market because it makes no sense, right, to have something that you're going to build like a, uh, uh, you know, a broom that plays music. And <laughs> then you ask yourself the question, well, how many brooms are sold? And, you know, how many of those actually have some sort of music system, which is zero. So now you're going to have to build the market versus how would you like to have a broom that is 20% lighter? Well, that people have a higher need for that than a singing broom. So it does make sense, right? Just like Shark Tank, where they're looking at the market, but they're sizing it up. But note, they get very impressed. And when you watch Shark Tank enough, they get very impressed with sort of surprising ideas that really nobody's ever thought about. And then here it is in front of them. They even get more impressed when the company has developed some level of a business. So instead of just venture capital, like I'm going to try this, they need growth capital because they already know how to make the market work, etc. So. I love Shark Tank and uh, it, it is reality. And most inventors that become founders of companies that start to raise money will actually run into all the Mark Cubans of the world. So it is reality. And and I'm thinking of a dancing broom from Fantasia, Disney's Fantasia. Okay. Right. And I thought that was, that was very clever, but of course we don't have a, a dancing broom. Um, I've got some other questions here uh, coming up and uh, we're going to take some time out now. Um, this is Invent Anything with John Cronin. I'm Mark Allen. We're kind of putting John in the hot seat, asking him how the everyday average person can invent something and turn it into a, a profit, into a business. Uh, we're going to be back and we're going to continue our look at inventing anything right now. You're listening to Invent Anything with John Cronin. Be sure to visit us at inventanything.net. There's information, articles, and more. 
and you can leave your thoughts and comments there as well. That's inventanything.net. And now back to John and this episode. This is Invent Anything. I'm Mark Allen sitting in with John Cronin, not for John Cronin, because he is in our hot seat and answering our questions that I think everyday average people want to know about inventing. What about the person who loves their invention so much, does not listen to advice from lawyers, uh, counselors such as yourself uh, and others, and they just believe that there's a market for their product, they mortgage their house, they, they clear out their iris. You've come across this, haven't you? Absolutely. And uh, I love the passion and the commitment to people and, uh, and to help them achieve their dreams with intellectual property and ideas and invention. But you know, when you're making a decision whether you're going to mortgage your house for your, for your idea, uh, you know, it's just like going where you're going to invest money in anything, whether it be your stock market, your portfolio, whether you're going to buy a new car versus a used car. Uh, they always say when you're going to buy a used car, when you see the car you really want, get excited about it, you sleep on it for a day. And if you wake up the next day and you still want to buy it, then maybe that's common sense that you should do it. The same is true with invention. You tend to get these endorphins released, you get excited about your own idea. And then the next thing you know, you're so excited about it, nobody can tell you anything, and you think this is your million-dollar idea. So one, one thing I have to tell you, that a lot of people, I think, get kind of mixed up with this one thing, that they think they have an idea, and this is the winner. It turns out that you have many ideas. You have thousands of ideas. Not just this one idea is going to make you a millionaire. It is so much better to say, okay, I've got this one idea, but I'm going to have some fun with this before I go crazy. I'm going to make a list. I'll put a list of 20 ideas. And I'm going to do whatever I did to come up with that idea. I'm going to come up with more of them. I mean, look, you're around the house. And all of a sudden, something happens. You're at the microwave and it's beeping at you like crazy. And you say to your spouse or somebody, you know, why don't they make a microwave that has, you know, nice sounds or it plays different <laughs> sounds. Or maybe the sounds tell you something about what, what it was cooked. You know, maybe three beeps means it's ready right now. If it stays in there too long, you know, five beeps, or maybe there's some code. So you write that down, right? But you're still in the kitchen, you're, you're running around, and all of a sudden, you know, you, you know, reach over to get a knife, and it's so sharp that when you, 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 you bring it by you, you get cut. And you say, geez, now I have to go get a Band-Aid. Where's the Band-Aids? You know, why don't they kind of make a little band-aid thing attached to the knife holder so that it's right there. So, uh, and that's actually, it turns out how the band-aid was invented is the band-aid was invented uh, by a, a guy that had his wife cut herself all the time. So he laid out these strips of cellophane with uh, some tape and, and some gauze and she laid them out ahead of time. So, but give yourself the time to have 10, 20, 30 ideas before you blast out with that one idea. And if you come back after 20 or 30 ideas, and this really is your best one, then I'd recommend that that would be one that if you want to get in the invention business, you want to mortgage your house, do it. But just like the car, I would say sleep on it. But to me, sleeping on it doesn't mean whether you're going to do it in the morning or not. Everybody's an inventor, Mark. Everybody can come up with many, many ideas all the time. They're all around you. Just make a list 
And I, I always used to uh, be told by my mentor at IBM, Carter Canto, when I would come up with a solution to something, he'd say, John, that's a good solution, but I want you to have at least four or five solutions before I accept any one of them. I was like, Carter, that's going to waste time. He goes, no, you know, the higher quality ideas come from the quantity that you can look at. And he was absolutely right. So maybe that's some advice. And then they'll have more fun inventing. That uh, that we we changed uh, direction, but that's a lot of good advice there. Because I know people who are so in love with their buying a car, buying a house, that they they really don't analyze their needs or or in the case of a, of an invention, if it if it can sell, if people want a knife with a, a little band-aid holder attached to it, you know, it, it's very interesting. Um, I wanted to just uh, uh, go forward in our last couple of minutes. I mean, there are many stories and I know you have some too. And you've actually talked about the power of 10 rule uh, kind of right here. Uh, there are stories about everyday people inventing things like whiteout, hula hoop, uh, the pet rock, okay? And, and these things made millions of dollars. If you don't know what a hula hoop is and you're young, look it up. Uh, John and I used to try to do it when we were kids, right? <laughs> um, you, you just, you know, you, people do come up with some interesting ideas, don't they? And they can make money. Absolutely. So part of the thing about uh, having a quantity of ideas to pick the quality ideas, that really works on a broad scale too. So lots of people have lots of ideas. So what's going to happen is some of those ideas are going to be winners and some are not. And some might be in between. The average venture capitalist will invest in 10 companies knowing one's going to be a rocket ship. The next one might be okay, but they spend most of the time working out the deals that don't work. So that's the way invention is as well. If you want to develop a pet rock and that sells, that's great. There is no a priori way really to know if something's going to sell. I mean, if you have a long track record of producing lots of ideas and then being very successful, you probably developed a whole set of acumen, business, inventive, creative, the whole thing. But most people getting started, I'm not going to say it's a crapshoot or it's total serendipity. Because one of the interesting things that people miss this all the time, Mark, is they come up with a product and it really doesn't sell. And then they say, forget it. Well, that's not the way the work works for that I think of an invention. Because when you're trying to sell a product that doesn't work, you listen to what people say about the product. It's too heavy. It's too costly. It's too annoying when it does something. Well, that's great. Yeah. Because they just told you what you need to fix. They gave you the new problems to make it better. And if you listen to that and invent on top of the weight and the cost and the annoying thing, now the product's improved and the product's improved. I can tell you when I first raised the first money for IP Capital, my brother who's was on my board said, uh, well, you have to treat investing as a kind of an exercise in developing objections. So you go in, John, and when you pitch your deal, the nice thing is they're gonna tell you what they don't like about it. And so write down everything they don't like about your business. And then go back and figure out how to change your business to overcome those objections. And he was absolutely right. After the third time, we raised a whole bunch of money for very little give up in equity. So put your idea out there, listen to the objections, write the objections down, improve, improve the invention over and over again. I can tell you, 
I used to run the Vermont Inventors Association. We used to have a couple hundred inventors come every third Friday of the month. And the, one of the inventors that most, uh, who taught me this the most, he invented these shoes for walking on snow, snowshoes. He had 30 to 40 uh, renditions of it before it got mass produced. If he had stopped after his 28th or 29th, it wouldn't have been mass produced and made an incredible success. So that's one of the solutions. Yes, people can invent. You talked about the power of 10 rule. A thousand ideas can produce a hundred things you might want to document. A hundred documents might produce 10 patents. And one of those patents would change the world. It's the same way with the improvements. All right, we're going to take a brief break and we're going to do an extra segment here. And when we come back, we're going to find out why, um, why John started this podcast, why he started Invent Anything. That's coming up. You're listening to Invent Anything with John Cronin. Be sure to visit us at inventanything.net. There's information, articles, and more. And you can leave your thoughts and comments there as well. That's inventanything.net. And now back to John and this episode. This is Invent Anything. It's a podcast for inventors and innovators. Uh, our guest, or actually our, our host, our real host, is John Cronin. Uh, and uh, John, I think you said earlier in this episode, you're going to reach the thousand mark of patents this year? Yeah, that's, that's the hope. Wow. Well, I think that's I think that's absolutely incredible. Let's talk about why you started Invent Anything. Well, thanks, Mark. Um, and it's been a blast for me to do these episodes. And we have about 100 listed that we want to do at least. So so it all started with my son, Seth, who works for me at IP Capital as a manager, He's a superstar kid. And he also has about 150 patents to his name. Uh, to a lot of people at my company. Like father, uh, so and, Seth, like father, like son. That's right. So Seth was encouraging me to do podcasts because he said, every time I'm on a business meeting with you, you're always saying stories or or teaching people things and that's a lot of knowledge and i've you know been watching you for years doing this you somehow got to record this and i said i, I don't want to do podcasts that, that's not me so he got me to commit to do my first one and after i did my first one and i saw the results i was like man this is cool and i felt like the first time people gave me a you know crayon set that i could color or a toolbox <laughs> that I could build things. And i said I could, I could do stuff with this i mean i could teach people I mean, I've been in this field for 40 years inventing from IBM through IP Capital and I've worked with many Fortune 500 companies, about 15% of them or more, hundreds of startups, technology you just couldn't believe, a technology agnostic company so we can work literally with anybody. And I thought that one of the, one of the things I wanted to do, because I was been given this gift and this great you know, business to run for a number of years, is to sort of give back and to teach people. And what I found from, you know, sending these out to people to teach. It's just a wonderful way for 20 minutes to learn about something that they would not know of. And then they can produce actions on their own or give us a call or talk to whoever. And as I became aware over time of all the things that IP Capital does, the IPCG, we have about 45 or 50 services that I had a way of explaining lots of stuff from valuations to due diligence to evidence of use to inventing. So I had lots of stuff to talk about. But, you know, one of the neat things about these podcasts is it gets me to think about the real teaching moments that I've had over the years uh, with real clients. You know, what, what got them juiced up? What got them to see something? You know, and then 
I, I made that part of my process, a part of my stories. And you know, all the clients that I've had for years have really gotten me to understand what I do, right? It's like a reflection in the mirror. Some things work, some things don't work. Uh, but another, I guess, and closing part of why I started to invent anything is I, I wanted to spend some time where I could reach people where they could get to know us. And maybe at some point, you know, they would want to get to know us as well directly. But the, the, the bottom line was, uh, uh, we're achieving the results that I wanted in the very beginning that we're able to teach people now things they could never learn. You can't learn the stuff that we're talking about from, from patent attorneys. God love them. They, they don't practice what we do. You can't learn it from <laughs> some, some sort of course. I mean, it's a cross-section of really three things, business, invention, and intellectual property. And so we bring those together. Uh, every business has and every inventor has particular problems. And so with uh, this vast array of particular problems, you really need to pull on a number of different tools in the tool belt to help them. So that's what I'm hoping, Mark, is that the podcast really is there to teach people and to help them take the next step on their journey of inventing, invent anything. When we first started working together, you told me at heart, while you're an inventor, you're also a teacher, right? That's, yeah. that's, that's what you want to do. Thank you, John. We appreciate it. Listen, we appreciate your watching. If you want information, we have uh, uh, our website up on right now. You can uh, also uh, subscribe to us at YouTube, uh, and we have that online here as well. And uh, we always want to hear from you, so let us know. Uh, I'm Mark Allen for John Cronin. Thanks for watching.